Today on Ways of Life, you'll hear a conversation I had with my friend Stephen Roccazella. Stephen is a law enforcement veteran, entrepreneur, educator, and father. He's also a barber and a Wim Hof Method instructor. When he found the method, Stephen was suffering from depression and ill health while dealing with some heavy personal losses. After a year of practicing the Wim Hof Method, breathing and cold exposure, he had lost 50 pounds, raised his testosterone 600 points, freed himself of antidepressants and anti-inflammatory medications, corrected his high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and stopped getting sick, basically. So here is Stephen's story. Stephen, hello. I'm so glad Hi. you're here. Thank you so much for being willing to do this with me. You're one of my first you're... interviews. Oh, I am honored, Krista. Thank you for having <laughs> me. I appreciate it. Well, why don't you um, share with our listeners what your life looks like right now in a nutshell? What What is your reality? And then back into that, you know, how did how did you get here? Because I know you're new to town, physically, new yes. to Nashville, but you've had a lot of new things in your life the last few years. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I have been in the Nashville area or in Tennessee for about 10 months now. I moved from the Salt Lake City, Utah area. Uh, I'd been there for 20 years. For the last six, I was running a barber shop as an owner and then also working the last two years as a Wim Hof instructor. Uh, when the pandemic it hit, I was put into a situation where I needed to, uh, I guess I was faced with making some, some big changes and some big decisions. And uh, I decided to permanently close down my business, the, the barber shop and move out here because my children live here. Mm. I have three children and they've been uh, in Tennessee for about five years. And I've been flying out, you know, six, eight times a year to visit my kids. And uh, I stayed in Utah because of the business and the business was no longer an issue. So I decided it's time for a new adventure. And I'm going to, if I have to start over, I'm going to do it uh, close to my kids. So here I am. I, uh, I work as a barber full-time, and then I instruct in the Wim Hof Method part-time, and I am hoping to reverse that order and be mm. teaching more full-time and cutting hair part-time. And I love doing both of those things. I'm very passionate about both of them. Uh, so I, I'm happy to still be doing the things that I love. I uh, would like to get them prioritize correctly for my happiness and, and well-being mm. yeah and uh, i'm seeing my kids uh, at least once a week and a lot more involved in their life which is beautiful and also challenging uh yeah i, I think yeah. that's about where i'm at <laughs> so i'm here that's, yeah you, yeah you might have to pull more out of me chris i yeah. apologize but. no no that's great that's a great start and i uh, think it's incredibly admirable and courageous that you did give up what you had built back in Utah to come here and be with your kids. And, um, and, and I know that was as much for you as for them in a way. I mean, because our kids are part of what brings us alive and gives us that sense of aliveness, right? Yes, absolutely. So to, to be separate from them is 
is hard. Um, But you did have something beautiful you had built there. And the barber shop, I think a lot of people may not be aware of what is possible to build around that vocation. And what was that for you there? Because it's an art, but it's also you had created real community. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the barbershop that I owned was in a very unique place. It was inside of a vintage motorcycle museum. Uh, so we were surrounded by uh, millions of dollars in Harley Davidson and Indian motorcycle history and art. It was an incredible place. Uh, and the, the owner of that museum built out a small space for me to run the barbershop. And uh, it became really just kind of a legendary place in Utah. If I'm going to, you know, give myself credit and toot my horn a little bit, the mm-hmm. the barbershop was it was it was definitely an amazing place. Uh, we over six years had built such an incredible community of clientele that were just diverse and coming from every different place of in life there's a very predominant religion in utah and those people felt just as comfortable as bikers or you know other mm-hmm. i mean not that there aren't religious bikers out there i have to be so careful with how like it, it, was very, <laughs> it was a very diverse group of people and we all like that barbershop became like the hub for just uh men and fathers and sons and friends to come and just like be and laugh. And, you know, yeah, it was, it it was incredibly healing, not only for me, but for those that sat in, uh, in, in my chair and in my other barbers chairs as well. What do you Um, think the secret is there to being able to, uh, bring people into that sense of safety and comfort who otherwise would probably not cross paths or if they did, they might feel awkward in other contexts. Just love. It, it, it really is. It really is that simple. It's just, it's just love. Like people know when they walk in there that they're loved and accepted and that they're welcomed. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Love is the answer. Like I have mm. so many barbers that are, you know, trying to start a business or, you know, are getting into that, that profession, especially more back in Utah here and here in Tennessee. I, I'm just a barber now. I'm not an owner anymore. I don't have that, that, um, I don't want to say that respect. I, I think I do, but I had a name and some clout, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in, in Utah and some status there. And so people would, would, would come to me and they want to know, you know, what are the secrets to building a successful barbershop? And it always just comes down to love. Man. So it's so simple. It's not about marketing. It's not about nickel and diming your employees or your customers, or, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not about your social media presence, at least not for me. I know those things are important, but it was about the love and, and the way people felt when they were there and they wanted to bring their friends and family there and that's how the thing grew and that's how it became what it was uh people remember how you make them feel absolutely yeah yeah and that's remember anything else yeah and that's and that's exactly what i describe you know when when, when people ask me what it is about being a barber that i love so much and I, i say it's like yes i like working with my hands i like creating this art because that is really what it is 
you know, you're, you're taking this, this head of hair and you're, you know, shaping it and, you know, moving it and creating with it. And it's, it's beautiful. And I, and I love that, but that's like number on the list of 10 things that make a great barber and a great barber shop, the quality haircut is like number 10. Yeah. And then there's nine <laughs> other things that are more important, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and so what, what I say is it, it's like, I, I get to be creative. I get to use my hands. I get to be artistic, but what the real magic is, is connecting with that person for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. And, you know, we really kind of skip the small talk, or at least I do. Like, I'm not the barber that you talk about, you know, the Tennessee Titans and the weather. <laughs> like, I want to know, like, how's your soul? You know, how <laughs> I'm just gonna going to dive right in. Life? Yeah, <laughs> we just go for it. Yeah. Like, how is how is work, life, kids, prostate, you know, all the mm-hmm. stuff that's important to a man. Those are the things that I want to know about. And, and so I get real deep, real quick with, with people. And I'm able to, to, I guess, like provide a space for them to let their guard down. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so there's that, there's a, that, that connection there and that friendship that develops. And then the other real beautiful gift I think is, you know, for, for both the client and myself is that I spin them around. I always face my clients away from the mirror. That's a, that's a, mm. a barber when in, in a cosmetology salon type environment, you know, the, 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 the client is facing the mirror, but like the back bar, which is right under the mirror, that's where all of my tools are at my clippers, my scissors, brushes, whatever I need. And so I face my client away from the mirror and I use the mirror as a tool to help me see the hair from a further distance, I guess. So instead of having stand back five or six feet to look at the hair to see what it looks like. I can just look in the mirror and see the reflection. And that's basically about six feet of distance there. So, and then all of them, and then all of my tools are right there. So I can, I can just grab my stuff and I can work without having to go, you know, around the client back to my back bar, you know, to my station and then walk back around the, to the behind the client again, you know, kind of a thing. Does that, does that paint in a pretty accurate picture there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, I didn't yeah, realize so, there was so much intentionality. Yeah. So, yeah, so th- there is, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, um, um, but then I, I spin the person around the chair and they smile and they're happy with mm-hmm. what they, and to, to be able to help somebody look in the mirror and be happy with what they see, that is really the beautiful gift of being a barber. Hmm. You have such a beautiful, tender spirit. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Same. So where, the other part of your life that you referenced that you mentioned is Wim, uh, you are Wim Hof instructor. And yes. um, so maybe you can share uh, with people who aren't familiar with what who Wim Hof is and what that method is, share about that, and then go back as far as you want to go to okay you know, in your journey that to how you arrived and why that mattered so much that you encountered Wim Hof when you did. Okay, sure. Uh, so uh, Wim Hof is he's a man. Uh, he's from the Netherlands, and I think he lives in Poland now. Uh, he developed a wellness practice kind of by accident, just really trying to heal himself. Um, he, had, uh, he, he'd always had this, uh, 
this attraction to the cold and uh, and to nature. And he he came up with a a kind of breathing practice and a mindset meditative practice that allowed him to do extreme things in cold weather for uh, a really long time. Like he would swim under, you know, he swam like 75 yards or something under a sheet of ice in a frozen lake. You know, he (laughs) ran a marathon up at the polar circle in just shorts and sandals when it was like four degrees outside, you know, he climbed, he climbed Mount Everest in his shorts and hiking shoes without any sort of, you know, uh, oxygen or advanced climbing gear or cold, cold weather gear. Uh, he was pretty much shirtless and in shorts the entire time. Uh, which many people are probably thinking that does not sound like a good idea. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And it's probably not, but he, what, what, what he was doing, with that other than just challenging himself i think like 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 so many people they're just trying to heal themselves and trying to do what they love and along the way they heal and inspire so many others uh so when he started to do these things he caught the attention of the media and he started to get a lot of you know uh people were coming to him and saying, Hey, well, like, why don't you do this? And we'll put it on TV. And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do that. And, and eventually it kind of turned to more of a, a, a curiosity from the medical community. Like, well, how is he doing this? Like what's going on in his body? And so he started, you know, to, to offer himself up to researchers to be kind of a, a guinea pig for experiments and, and things. And they wanted to know about how he was doing what he was doing. And it turns out that not only cold exposure, but also this very specific conscious breathing practice happens to have incredible impact on the human body and the mind and the soul uh, and the immune system, the cardiovascular system, the endocrine system. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, and it's all been backed by by medical research and, and it's ongoing. Like everything that I teach in a workshop, every claim that I make mm-hmm. is, is backed by a public, a published medical study, uh, by reputable people in reputable medical journals, which I'm not a doctor. So I really don't, you know, I don't know what those journals are. I, I could give people references, but, uh, yeah. So it turns out that this is not just, you know, somebody's mystical kind of weird, magic belief thing that they do, but it's just, it really just comes down to body chemistry and, you know, science and, and, and it's all backed by that. So it's, 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 it really, uh, yeah, it's that. So that's kind of what the Wim Hof method is. It's, it's a cold exposure, like a daily cold exposure regimen, a daily breathing practice, and then a mindset kind of commitment meditation aspect as well. Uh, and those are the three pillars of, of the method. And, you know, over the years he's been, it's, it's become a very organized, uh, practice that is easy and accessible and teachable and practicable for anybody. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so I, I had learned about it on a podcast and, uh, I looked into it and started to practice on my own. I bought his his little like 10 week program for like 75 bucks. It was not a big investment. Now, why did you do that? What, what appealed to you about it? Yeah, perfect. So, so I was searching at that time. I, this was about five years ago. I had just uh, completed the divorce process and had, you know, 
driven my kids' mom and my kids and their things from Utah to Tennessee Mm. and had just gotten back and I was feeling very lost. Uh, Obviously, I'd gone from being a full-time dad to, well, and and, 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 and I was was working full-time, but I was dad every day, Yes, seeing my children every day, and now uh, I'm not. Uh, And... I was like, well, what am I going to do with all this time that I have? Uh, I'm pretty depressed. Uh, one option is just to, you know, maybe crawl into a bottle. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I got I got pretty dark, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll admit I had some thoughts about just kind of, you know, whether life was going to be worth living anymore or not. Honestly, I thought, well, I've yeah. got these great life insurance policies for the kids. And uh, mm-hmm. I spent 13 years in law enforcement. So if I, you know, wanted to, you know, off myself, I could probably do it in a pretty clean way, just from the experience I had in that job, seeing what I saw. And, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll just exit and leave my kids with a bunch of money and they can just, you know, I won't, because I I was in a lot of pain, emotional pain, physical pain. I was overweight. I was, uh, you know, I was quite heavy. I was on antidepressants. I had been on them for a decade. They weren't really working anymore. Nothing was really, uh, making me me feel better and it seemed like the 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 purpose that was driving everything that i did which was my children um it was gone uh you know i looked at it as like a huge defeat and i you know and of course there's so many positives that i could have drawn from it but at that time i didn't i didn't think about those 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 positives and and uh, you know yeah like i just felt like i didn't have a purpose anymore Uh, i was so used to not ever caring for myself or, you know, trying to make time for my, 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 myself or anything. I was just used to being just working for the kids and taking care of my wife and her needs. And she was great. Like I, she, she was, she didn't overburden me with needs. She's a very strong, independent person and an incredible mom. Um, but yeah, like my life was all about taking care of everybody else. And now I'm, I'm here with all of this free time alone. Mm-hmm. I've got good income, uh, you know, so it's like, what do I do with that? And, yeah. and so I had, I had kind of the way I, I like to describe it. I, I had one of those moments that was like Lieutenant Dan on top of the mast on the shrimp boat in the middle of the storm in uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> if that makes any sense, yes. you know. When, he's, when if you've seen that movie, he's you yeah. know he's in the middle of a hurricane and he's you know climbed up to the top and he's just like having his war with God or the universe or whatever. I kind of had one of those moments and, and I offered a challenge to uh, I, I don't know to who whether it's just life the universe, God, the, the divine, the source, what, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, something, something with power. Yeah. I was like, like I, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I want, I want to be free mm-hmm. without killing myself. How can I be free? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and it's like, I want to know everything. I want to know what, what pain is driving me that I haven't dealt with. Like what, triggers do I have? What, what unhealed wounds are, are down in there? Like I, like I surrender, it was basically out of form surrender. And I was like, just bring me what I need to be free. And little things started to come in like yoga mm-hmm. and people like clients would sit in my chair and they would suggest, you know, 
these books about mindfulness and present moment awareness, you know, like Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle, I think yeah. is how you say his name. Uh, Michael Singer, who wrote The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. Uh, and just a, a number of, of other people, uh, Alan Watts and like all of oh, these. I love him. Uh, yeah, I started getting these. Like, I started just listening to this stuff. Now, I had been religious for quite a long time. I was Mormon for, you know, from the time I was 19 until I was in my mid thirties when I right. gave I, up on that. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I know that there are people who will listen and think, well, maybe you just need religion, you know? And so maybe it's helpful to know that you did have that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And that was actually causing a lot of problems for me, just unnecessary guilt. And I felt very imprisoned and very, you know, I felt very constricted in that. And it wasn't making me happy at all. Uh, mm -hmm. And when I started to ask questions, the questions just really didn't hold a lot of, or the answers just didn't really hold hold water for me. And that's mm -hmm. okay, you know. Um, it works. It works for who it works for. It's just just not for me. Um, but yeah, so 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 yoga, Wim Hof. Uh, I found out about the keto diet, and I just kind of impl implored, or I. Uh, what I'm thinking of. I just introduced all all of those things into my life, like the books, yeah, uh, the, the the diet, the yoga practice, and then Wim Hof. And the Wim Hof thing definitely had a different. It was different than the other things, and they were all great, and they were all perfectly what I needed in that time. Uh -huh. But there was something about the Wim Hof method that was different. It was so simple, but it was so powerful and harsh almost in a way. I mean, like, like I would go, you know, like I started to, you know, try to put bags of ice in my bathtub, you know, and, and, you know, and fill it up and do an Sounds ice terrible. bath. And I, and, yeah. And, and like, I couldn't get my whole body. And I was like, this isn't working for me. And it was mm. getting to be winter time. And so like, I started going to some of the local lakes living in Utah, you get, it gets cold, you know, pretty early on in the fall. And, you know, it snows a lot there. And so like before long, I was just going down to like this reservoir by my house and I was sitting for like 10, 12 minutes in, you know, sub 40 degree water. Wow. Uh, and there is, there is nothing that will bring you to the present moment and put you deep down into your body like that kind of yes. survival experience. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, I dang near gave myself hypothermia on a few occasions, I but I was just kind of winging it. Yeah. I didn't really know. And I was doing it alone all the time. Mm. Um, but I started, you know, I, the more I studied it, the more I practiced, the more I, I got my body conditioned and I started to see really big results. And within a year of starting those things, I was, off of antidepressants. I had lost 70 pounds. Uh, I had raised my testosterone like almost 700 points and I had it measured by my doctor. I went and got a checkup before I started all this stuff and I got one a year in. And so like these numbers were like tangible uh, you know, and to, to have such a huge like shift in your hormones like that, like that's that's really powerful, you know, and it was, yeah, yeah like, I mean, I, I looked different. I felt different. I was thinking different. I had energy, clarity. I was happy. I had a will to live again. Uh, and 
my clients could see that. And they were asking me, well, like, what are you doing? And I said, well, yeah, I started doing this diet, but then I also started, you know, stretching and, and doing yoga. And then I found this crazy thing called the Wim Hof method. And I do this breathing and I'm stopped <laughs> in the middle of the haircut. I'm saying, yeah, you take like 40 breaths and you breathe like this. And then, you know, you hold it for this amount of time. And I'm like, dude, like, do you want me to show you? Cause it's hard to explain. And I'm trying to do this haircut. Like here, why don't you just like, here, I'll just show you like, you know, and, and people started to get curious and before long, like I had created this like community of people where like on a Sunday, a Sunday was my uh, ice bath day. And then, uh, and, and so like I had, I bought a horse trough that I could keep outside and just fill it with water and then it would freeze overnight. And then I would just break the ice loose and I would hop in that thing. And so I didn't have to go to the oh reservoir gosh. anymore. I had like this. And then like, so like my clients started showing up at my house on a Sunday being like, Hey dude, like, I know you're doing ice bath day. Can I, can I just do one with you? And then, Hey, will you just show me the breathing real quick? And then be before long, I had like these groups of people that were coming over and we were just ice bathing together and doing the breathing together. And I kind of started this little cult thing around the Wim Hof method. And I was like, well, man, maybe, maybe I need to be teaching this like for money, you know, <laughs> or maybe I yes. need to learn how to be an instructor. Like if people are, 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 are impacted this miss much by like my story, like maybe that's worth sharing on a bigger scale. So I, I looked into becoming an instructor and, uh, in, in 2019, I, I went through the Academy. Um, but is, is it okay to share a quick personal story about Wim Hof? Of though, course. We, I don't yes. know what like our, our, our time limit is. Share but, anything. We so, have no time limits. Okay. So, so th before I decided to become an instructor, there was a kind of a, a pivotal moment I had where I had, I'd found out that Wim Hof himself was traveling to the United States and he was putting on these big like workshops where he would you know be there in person and he would explain the method and you know he would lead everybody through a breathing session and then they like him and his crew like his traveling crew they had these big these big swimming pools they would set up and fill them full of ice and everybody would jump into this this ice bath and we would all do that together with Wim Hof himself and there was an option to if you wanted to pay a little bit more, you could do like a VIP thing where you got to meet him real quick. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm doing this. Like, <laughs> I want to go out, you know, and this is, this is, again, this is before I even decided to become an instructor, but obviously this had become a big part of my life and my, my healing process. And so I fly out to California from Utah and I show up at this event and there's like 900 people there. And Wim is there and like his, his daughter and like his crew that he brought with him from Europe. And then also some amazing instructors from the United States. Like they were all there to like put on the show for us and to give us this experience. And it was incredible. And uh, afterwards there was maybe a hundred people or so that had decided to do the uh, VIP meet and greet with Wim. And so Wim was in this room and he was just in there playing the guitar and just hanging out with his people. And, you know, one at a time, or like, I'm sorry, it would be like groups of like five at a time. And then each person individually would go up. He would, you know, take a picture with them and like shake their hand or whatever and give mm -hmm. them a hug. And they, they would say, and it was very brief. And I'm watching, I'm kind of toward the end of the group. And uh, uh, I'm watching these, these interactions. It's finally my turn. And I walk up to him and I don't know like what to say. Yeah. And so I just grabbed him and I hugged him and I said, uh, you saved my life and I love you. Thank mm -hmm. you. 
And then that was it. And uh, he kind of like pulls away from me and he looks at me and he's a little bit like misty eyed. And Hmm. he says, I'm going to write something for you. Hold on. And he sits down and he had this pen and these flyers that he was, you know, signing for people autographs. And he turns the flyer uh, around on the backside of it. And he just starts to write. And everybody's kind of like looking like what's going on. I'm kind of standing there and I feel a little bit awkward because I don't like that. I'm <laughs> like kind of holding it up. Right. And then and then he folds up the piece of paper and he hands it to me and he pulls me in for a hug. And he says, I know I will see you again. This is just the beginning. Oh, wow. And uh, I said to him, I said, I'm going to And he didn't know I'm your like. story or anything. No, he didn't know anything. It was just like a feeling. That's yeah. how open that man is. Uh, he's he's nothing but pure love and mm. joy and excitement and fun. Um, and yeah, and I said I will uh, I will do whatever I can to spread your message. Mm-hmm. And I love you again. And, and I and I walked away. Um, and uh, I've never like said what that letter. I've never told anybody what that says. I never will. That's like for me. Um, but uh yeah it wow, was, we're it, all dying it was, now it was very powerful so, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, beautiful experience and you know it wouldn't surprise me if if he did that for multiple people i don't know that's just who he is you know mm-hmm. he's just that's just that's him uh i he, would love to be like that he you know, saw i don't you, want to be though. famous but yeah but he saw me he saw you, I want which is what too. we need yeah. absolutely yeah so yeah. that was uh, that was a very powerful motivator and uh in my decision to become an instructor you know and it was a it was quite a bit of money and there was some travel and i'd have to take time off of work but uh you know to make that instructor thing happen but yeah i did it and uh i became an instructor in 2019 yes so would you describe that as you know as an like an inner call did you feel like i i don't even have a choice in this i have to find i will figure out the money and the time and was it that kind of Yes, but it came at a very specific moment. Uh, like when I actually, so I sat on that, you know, like I knew that I knew that the academy was starting and there was a process that you had to, to go through. So after you did the online course, the next step was to attend what's called the uh, advanced module. And it was a two-day training that anybody could attend as long as you had completed the 10-week course online then you could sign up. So this was just really for people who wanted to advance their practice of the Wim Hof method. And it was Mm -hmm. a two day training. Again, this one was out in California, but it was also a prerequisite to become an instructor. So most of the people that had gone to that advanced module were also had in mind that they wanted to be, they wanted to be instructors. Uh, And then, and, and then like after that, there was uh, like several months later, there was the master module and that was a whole week up in the Cascade Mountains in uh, Washington state, close to the Canadian border. And there was about 40 of us that attended that and everybody that went to that became an instructor. That was, and it was people from all over the world with the exception of Europe. So there was people there from South America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Asia. It was it was so cool. Like just 40 people from all over the planet, you know, had because yeah. uh, Europe, Europe does their own separate academy. So for okay. everybody else, they do one in North America and one in, in, in Europe. And so if you didn't make the one in Europe, 
you had to come to the one in the United States and it was people from, from everywhere. And it was really cool. So yeah, so we completed that, that training and then we were all instructors after that. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. And there's so many things I, I could, so many stories I could share about people I met and experiences, but I will just try to stay on track. So <laughs> anyway, we're yeah, already, I, with, um, Oh, this is lost, great. So. No, this is great. I think I, I, Wim Hof is coming to the attention of more and more people, you know, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, I think I've heard of that guy. I don't really know what it's about. But you have, since we met in the last few months, you've introduced several of our friends here. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you're one of just, what, two or three people in Tennessee, I think, who instructs in Wim Hof. Is that right? Yeah, I don't don't think there is another instructor here. Oh, you're the only one. Yeah, and if there is, they're not actively teaching uh yeah like i know that there's like like right now there's only 420 wim hof instructors on the entire planet mm-hmm. okay and so there's not a whole lot of us doing this and especially in the south but i think this for this coming year there's going to be some instructors that are in uh at uh georgia and north carolina so it is it is kind of making its way to the south what do you walk people through and what have you seen how does it impact people Oh, it's, uh, I would, I would say that the, the most consistent reaction that I, that I see is just one of just happiness and lightness and empowerment. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen all sorts of reactions. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people cry in the ice bath. I've seen them cry and laugh uncontrollably during the breathing and, uh, uh-huh. The breathing by itself is pretty powerful. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Like both, both the ice, the, well, actually all three pillars of the method, they all stand on their own, but the combination of the three is what makes it so unique and powerful and fast acting. But yeah, everything is, yeah, everything is, is very detailed and, and specific and powerful in its own way. Yeah. And the breathing should point out because I, when I've had conversations about Wim Hof with people, they'll be like, oh, well, I do box breathing or I do this. Bre-. And, and mm-hmm. this is a very, very different kind of it is. method. Yeah. It's not just it's slow, back- deep breathing or something. It's, it's right. actually the opposite of that. Yeah. But, but those things are beneficial. The Wim Hof method specifically. And I don't know if other like if like holotropic breathing or like the kind of, I don't, and, and I, I don't want to, I want to make sure, hopefully I don't offend any yogis out there, but like, like breath of fire, Kundalini, maybe I don't like, I know there's a lot of breathing methods out there and, and having studied the science of breathing and what it can do in the body. I have no doubt that those things have an impact, but the Wim Hof method specifically, every phase of the breathing has a purpose and it's doing something in your body with your body chemistry and with your cardiovascular system and with uh, the way your mind is or the way your body is moving blood around. And like, it's like, it's very, it's like, it's very specific and it's all done with a purpose. That's not only to uplift your soul and, you know, bring you out of a state of anxiety or a funk or whatever, but it has, uh, physical medical impact on the, the body. Yeah. And if you yeah. come to a workshop, then like it's, I, I explain all of that. I, I lecture usually for about an hour to an hour and a half before. Uh, and then you walk through, uh, you breathing. do the lecture and then you walk people through the breathing. Yeah. So we do a guided breathing session. Yeah. Yeah. I so I'll get every, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we do the ice. That's, that's how it works. The, the, the breathing is, is the, the way women tended the breathing to be before he knew the kind of impact it was having on people or on, on himself, like, uh, physically he was doing it to prep his body for a cold exposure, but he didn't know what was happening in his body. Now we understand like why it was so effective at, you know, changing his body chemistry so that he could stay in the cold for longer periods of time. Like, and we we're starting to understand the impact of that on the body and on the immune right. system, things like not only short-term, but long-term as well. So, so the um, couple thoughts, one is that, uh, I would, I would love to hear, have you describe for people what the journey, well, first of all, I think you would recommend people not just jump into the ice without the training or without the breathing first, right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, well, it, I mean, people, people do it all the time, honestly. I mean, like people do the polar plunge where they, True. you know, are on a diet of beer and cheese and hot dogs. <laughs> and then, you know, every winter up in Minnesota, they will go jump into a lake for, you know, 15 seconds or something like yeah. that. And they'll, you know, so yeah, it's, yeah, like you can, um, it's definitely better for you if you, you know, do it in a safe way and you, you have some training. So like what I, what I'm doing for, for this workshop coming up, for example, like I'm, I'm have an email sending out that will uh, explain to people that it would be a good idea to maybe start with a cold shower before you come to the workshop a few days before. And, you know, after you finish your regular hot shower, turn the water all the way cold and then just put one hand in one arm, then the other hand in the other arm, uh, foot and leg, and then slowly kind of work your way till your entire body is under that water and let it run over you and kind of move around and feel and experience and really focus on your breathing. Like I have, I try to have people give them a little bit of a prep, Mm -hmm. but you absolutely can just jump into ice and be fine. Uh, But are you going to experience the therapeutic effects that you would if you're, getting in intentionally and staying in for a long, uh, no, well, I, yeah, probably two. not. Like you're definitely going to experience something like that. The cardiovascular Shock. system is going to start <laughs> to shift. And, yeah. And you're going to experience a big adrenaline dump and some, and some, some shock for sure. Yeah. Which is acute stress. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, acute stress is really good for us actually. Uh, but yeah, I think like prepping for it, like if you're going to try to do a cold exposure for any length of time, Yes, you definitely want to be aware of the risk of hypothermia, the signs of hypothermia, what is happening in your body when you go into the cold. You know, you want to really listen to your body. Your mind might say, I want to be in here for 10 minutes, but your body might be like, do we need to get out of here right now? I don't Mm -hmm. care if it's only been 45 seconds. Like we need to get out right now. You know, so uh, you got to listen to your body. And uh, yeah, yeah, I would not recommend people just go do that but i also know the power of the mind is incredible and yeah. uh, well I, so yeah. i had one experience with um i am like many people listening i have historically been extremely cold averse <laughs> like mm-hmm. i mean i'm the person who <laughs> takes forever just to get into a normal swimming pool because i like will not just jump in i'm like ah and if mm-hmm. i've been in the hot tub there's no going into the swimming pool. You know, it's like, right. there's one direction. Cold to hot. However, um, I did start hearing about Wim Hof uh, last year. And um, 
downloaded the app and did some of the breathe the breathing by itself was again mm-hmm. pretty powerful for me um and then i started doing some cold showers at the end of normal showers mm. and it uh just my experience and i do not i am not the person to speak into the science like you are but um just one of the things it did for me was uh, that maybe you can explain why is i just um first of all on a simple level doing something that you feel is hard <laughs> mm-hmm. doing something that feels hard just is going to feel good like when when you choose to enter into something knowing that it's not easy for you and if it's 10 seconds 20 seconds you just feel a charge afterwards and i go into the rest of my day feeling like i can do if i can do this hard thing i can do other hard things yes and then physically especially on the scalp like just having that cold water on my scalp for mm-hmm. some reason just enlivens me it feels like yeah. my brain literally turns on like right. wakes up and it's not the same as splash i've always splashed cold water on my face in the morning but actually being immersed in some way having it on my head makes me feel smarter (laughs) instantly i'm like i can do this whatever's coming Mm -hmm. at me today i got it so and then i can and then i also did the ice bath at uh, our friend latifah's backyard with latifah lucas and our friend will and Mm -hmm. we did the breath you did one yeah i did one uh this was back in early september i think i missed it yeah, Bummer. you couldn't come that day, um, but you had already been doing it, I think, once or twice you had done it mm. with them. And so, um, so we did the breath work, and then we go to get in, and Latifa, I think it was Latifa that went first. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was Lucas. Somebody was braver than I. That's all I know. <laughs> One of them went first, and it was so interesting to watch you could see him journey through this two mm. minutes, you know, we were doing mm-hmm. it for two minutes and you could see he, it took him on this full journey where he moves from, you know, eyes wide open. Like he was looking at us, but it was like he was seeing through us right around the one minute mark. I saw Lucas calm, calm he and shifted. quiet. He shifted. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he got out and, you know, he did like the movements that we were shown mm-hmm. to do to get, and he was a changed person. And so when I went in, I was like, I just need to, I just need to do it because I'm so scared. And I, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And um, it's interesting because the the only thing I can liken it to is giving birth in that, that what you said about, there's nothing that makes you can bring you into the now into the present moment like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like when I had my first baby, I had gone into it being like, Oh, I don't want anybody to see I don't want anybody in here. I'm, you know, I'm gonna do mm-hmm. it this way. I'm gonna manage it. And then in that moment, it's like, I don't care who's I don't care what's going on around me. Like I'm so with myself in this experience. And you're all welcome to be here with me. And I needed the community, in fact. And when I was in the ice bath, you know, those three friends, I needed them. But I also didn't care at all in terms of there was no self-consciousness, which I know I was was freaking out. I was not handling it well the first Mm -hmm. minute. (laughs) But it was just such an interesting experience because I did calm myself too after that. And I felt like a freaking monster in the best way yeah. when I got out, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was very bonding and I felt so enlivened, but it is such a journey, isn't it? 
And you've watched yeah. so many people go through that. Is that kind of what it seems to be like for people's first time? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you described it all so perfectly. I mean, you mentioned that the, the bonding with the other people there, that community, that feeling alive, feeling like a monster, just savage, just in your, mm-hmm. in, you know, just completely connected with, you know, your body and it's, and you just seen like this thing where, you know, you watch on television and somebody falls through the ice on a lake and they die. Right. And then like you just sat in there for several minutes and you're out and you're happy and you're not injured and you're feeling amazing. It's like, it's just that, it's that learn that learning something new about your body and something that you've been afraid of and really been conditioned Mm -hmm. to be afraid of your entire life. I mean, like, I don't, how it was for me, you know, growing up, like, you know, bundle up if you go outside kind of a thing, you don't want to get sick. Right. Right. And it's honestly, it's, it's the exact opposite. You've said like the, the cold is your warm friend or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something that like Wim Hof, I, w- I would mm-hmm. be quoting Wim Hof if I said that, cause that's, uh-huh. that's genius right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like it is, it is, it, it is a teacher. It is your friend. It's, it's, it's something that you just become, but really the, the cold, on a bigger scale represents just discomfort in general. Yes. And then when we face our individual fears, you know, and, and uh, trauma and there, in order to move through any of that towards healing, we have to, we are learning, we have to be willing to not bypass it, but to Mm -hmm. let it move through us and for us to move through it which is mm-hmm. what we often did not do as children. And that's why it's coming up decades later. It always makes me think about the ice. I'm like, oh, just like you yeah. sit through the ice, the distance yeah. of the ice. Yeah, it like the ice, it, yeah, it, it just becomes your, that's your, your boxing gym of life, right? I mean, it, yes. it, it's like you are, you are using this controlled stress experience as a way to train your nervous system and to condition your mind and body to deal with the real fight when it comes. Yeah. Uh, you know, like as you, because you do go through a battle in that, in, in that, that ice bath, like for that first minute you are wanting to get out of there. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I'm okay. Actually, this feels kind of good. I can actually feel my body getting warm wow, what's happening? This is amazing. You know, and it's like, but for that first minute, you're panic, 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 panic. And then all of a sudden everything shifts, the body shifts, the mind shifts, the thoughts shift, and it becomes into a place of not only acceptance, but enjoyment and Hmm. peace. But it's still that same stressful situation that 30 seconds ago was making you, you know, want to run like hell, you know, and all of a sudden now you're completely at peace in it all and you're finding the good in it and you are comfortable in that space. And so, yeah, like, because like life throws us into ice baths all the time and we don't know when they're going to end, Yes, you know? So, so if you can learn to, instead of toughing out the clock and waiting, you know, just hanging in there for that two minutes and fighting the entire time, you're just surrendering to it. Gosh, that is so important in it. Yeah. That's so powerful. And I've shared with people before this time uh, several years ago when I was up in Lake Geneva in January for a personal retreat. And it was like 12 degrees and 
couple feet of snow on the ground and um, mm-hmm. I was borrowing an Airbnb and the woman who whose house it was was you know showing me where the mittens and the gloves and the coats are and I said how do people live up here though like this is crazy you know how long it goes on you know and she said Mm -hmm. well i asked an older woman in the neighborhood and you know when i got up here and and she said you just have to get out in it and Mm -hmm. it was so profound it's so simple but it was so profound to me because i was going through such a dark season in my life at that time um and so it was such a strong metaphor for me to um not to do the opposite of my instinct my fear instinct was stay away from it, you know, resist, Mm -hmm. resist, distract yourself, you know, and like you're saying, it's not just endure it. There's a difference, right? It's not just go out there and, you know, (laughs) commiserate with yourself about how awful it is. It's, It's really entering into the thing that scares you, the thing that yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know it's more complex than that. Everybody's got so many different things probably running through their minds. Well, my circumstances are this or what my yeah. is this. And there are well, things yeah, well, we do want to stay away from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, because like, I still am no, it's, it's like I know that everything that I just described about the ice bath is absolutely true. But am I perfect at that? No, I am not. Like, <laughs> I still like, good like this whole this whole year has has been an ice bath for me and yes. and and it's like and I have not handled it gracefully the whole time. I've had moments of grace and and other people tell me often like for the amount of stress that you're under Stephen and the amount of loss that you've suffered in the last year like your business and financially and moving across the country and being away from your tribe and your friends and right, relationship right. And you're here in this new place you're taking. It's like you hand, you are, he's like, people tell me, like, I just heard this yesterday, actually, from one of the other barbers. He's like, you're one of the most peaceful people I've ever met. And how peaceful, like how you can be this peaceful and so calm under everything that you're facing. He's like, I just don't understand it. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, dude, if you could get inside of my body, it would feel like a storm mm. in here. You know, like I do not like maybe I'm presenting on the outside that I am calm and at peace, but on the inside, I am freaking out, dude. <laughs> you know, and and it's true. And like, but yeah, like I do, I like I do handle things a lot better than I used to, but I still suck at it and I'm still learning. And even even ice baths, like I'll sit into an ice bath for, you know, sometimes 10 minutes or longer. And I'm not handling that gracefully. Like on the outside I am, but on the inside, I'm not peace. I'm not Mm -hmm. Zen. I'm like, this sucks. I hate this. I don't have to be doing this right now. Why am I doing this? You know, like, and and I fight it even, even now, you know? And so it's continuing to, to teach me. Like the reason I do it anyway is because even if like, I'm not zenning out, like, like I hope to, I'm still doing something really, really good for my body. Yeah. And that's the really cool thing about the Wim Hof method, because you might do a cold shower and the breathing for 30 days straight and maybe 15 of those 30 days, you're zinned out and you're at peace and you're feeling the mental stress relief and all that kind of stuff. And then another 15 days, you know, you might just really be fighting to get through it. But every day that you do it, you're still changing your body chemistry you're going alkaline in your, in your, in your bloodstream. You are, 
you are uh, exercising your cardiovascular system by that cold exposure. You are strengthening your immune system through the release of adrenaline, through the breathing and through the ice. It's like you're still, even if you're not getting high or you're not like going into some deep meditative state and like having some realization from your childhood, which <laughs> definitely does happen, you're still doing something really good for your body every day that you do that. Yeah. And that's a sense of control that like, I love about the Wim Hof method. It's like, I don't have to take a bunch of, there's no prescription. There's no doTERRA oil. There's mm -hmm. no prayer. I have to say, there's no pill I have to take. There's no thing I have to renew every month. That's costing me money. It is me learning how to utilize oxygen, carbon dioxide and cold, which are all free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? to strengthen my body in ways that none of those other things can, you know? And so even if I don't get super zinned out, I'm still doing something great for my body every day. So mm -hmm. that sometimes that's all the motivation I have. Well, this is healthy for me. It's what I do. Right. It sucks. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, you know, because uh, it's good right. for me. Right. Yeah. But then there's a lot of days, usually when I least expect it, where it ends up taking me someplace really deep and beautiful and, and healing, you know? Uh, so yeah, you just never know what you're going to get, but you can always count on it being good for you. You know, it's kind of like, you know, working out or like, what's the one workout or the one yoga class you regret the one you didn't go to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. The one, the one cold shower you regret is the one you don't do. Yeah. Uh, you know? I w Yeah. I really agree. And I, I was, as you were saying that I was thinking about the practices that have become important to me in my morning routine, which at the moment is um, fasting, uh, intermittent mm. fasting, coupled Beautiful. with um, meditation, and then working out, mm -hmm. fo followed by getting a couple other certain tasks done before I stop and eat. Um, anyways, that routine, you're right, like it there are days when meditation is just feels like it's the thing I'm doing, but, mm -hmm. um, and it's not like a big emotional high or anything like that. And same with working out in honoring the commitment to myself, to my whole person. I may not feel zen out, but I feel honored. You know, I mm -hmm. feel, uh, there is a pleasure something that's connected to my personal sense of aliveness um, because I treated myself like somebody worth being treated well. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And that helps my emotional state in some indirect way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I, I think like, it's interesting, everything that you just mentioned that is part of your routine. Uh, it is, it's, it's all about your body, right? It's, it's like, mm -hmm. this is, Thing that we have any sort of real control over in the chaos and unknown of our world, uh, we can always go back to the body. Uh, that, that was that like when, when I was, uh, you know, lost, um, when my, when my kids moved and I was alone in, in Utah, like mm -hmm. I, I, my body, like I lost weight. I started doing yoga and stretching and using muscles and tendons and things and stretching that I hadn't stretched in years. And, and I was doing the ice baths and I was doing the breathing and it was like, and I was doing the diet that was all centered on the one thing I have any real control over. And that is my body. Yeah. And you know, 
I think, first of all, yes, first of all, I think people, we often are missing the fact that, that our bodies are so, it's so connected, you know, our Mm -hmm. sense of well-being has so much to do with the well-being of our bodies. Um, And also, whatever is going on through the breathing method before meditation, it's really interesting what happens because it's, um, you know, so much of the time we are trying to address everything from our intellect. We are trying to convince ourselves that everything's okay or that things are more bearable than we think. And so there's this like the two voices competing in our minds, you know, (laughs) and yet when I take care, when I tend to the body first, I don't, I kind of don't have, I can skip that step almost. Like if I do that and I go into meditation, I'm right into the deep end. How have you felt the most, how, when, have you felt the most alive during this whole pandemic, this challenging season? Um, is it when you're in the ice bath or are there other moments that you've experienced where you felt, yeah, this is me being really alive and awake to my experience? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I, I definitely, I definitely feel it when I'm with my children. Hmm. Yeah. It is one because that was the driving force. You know, I, uh, when I, when my barbershop closed down and I didn't know if it was going to reopen or not, I took some time and just went out into nature and just camped and hiked and traveled around because I didn't have anything else to do and I didn't mm-hmm. want to sit at home, uh, you know. So I, I did that and and I kind of soul searched and I was trying to think like, what do I do from here? Do I wait another month to see if the shop is going to open, uh, reopen? He's going to open the museum. Uh, I can go back to work. Do I do I move the shop somewhere else? Do I shut it down and start something different? So I didn't really know. And, and it was weird because moving to Tennessee wasn't really a thought in my mind. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I was just convinced like this is, I live here in Utah and this is where I am and they're there and we're all adjusted to the way it works. And, and it just, it just really never, it really never, it didn't occur to me that moving to Tennessee was even an, an option. And I think because it was going to be really hard and terrifying and it's absolutely been just as hard and terrifying as I imagined (laughs) it would be. Um, And so maybe I I didn't want to think about it. And I end up uh, having a dream. I'd fallen asleep and I I remember dreaming about, I was at Disneyland and my kids were there and my ex-wife was there too. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my, my kid's mom. I don't really like saying ex-wife. I apologize. Uh, um, and we were, we were together at Disneyland, but like my kid's mom and I weren't together. We were just physically there together, but we were, but we weren't a couple or anything anymore. And I Uh remember my oldest son who's 16, like he was always facing away from me. Hmm. And I would go up to him in this dream and I, like, we were all having fun together at Disneyland. We're experiencing, he's always looking away and I would go up and I would try to hug him or I would try to talk to him. He wouldn't look at me and he wouldn't, he wouldn't let me touch him. And 
I, I woke up from that dream and I knew clearly, like, if I don't move to Tennessee, I'm going to lose my son. Hmm. And, uh, and, and that was it. Like, as soon as I woke up, I had that thought and I was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, and two months had passed since, since my uh, barbershop had closed. And I was like, I'm, I'm moving to Tennessee. Hmm. That's what I have to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it work, but I like, I felt like that was the answer. Yeah. And, uh, and is, is it okay to share real quickly? Like the, the story of like how I ended up getting of a course. job and stuff here. Is that, is that okay? Yes, so, of course. I, I think it's important to this, to the story. Uh, you know, so, so I, I made up my mind. That's what I was going to do. And so I, I have a friend that owns a barbershop out here in, in Tennessee, about 30 minutes from the town that my kids live in. And I called him and I was like, Hey dude, uh, what's the barber scene like out there? Are you guys working again? Like, are you able to like, what, what's going on? Are you open? You know, what's it like? And we started to talk and, and I told him what was going on in, in my life. And, uh, and, and, and he told me, he said, yeah, just get out here and you can work at my shop and I'll give you a place to live. <laughs> and so like in that one phone call, yeah, like I had, okay, well, that's what I need. I need a place to live. I need a job, you know? And so like at that point, I, there was nothing that I needed to question anymore. Yeah, It was like, okay, like my shop has shut down through circumstances that were outside of my control. Uh, I have an opportunity that I would be a complete idiot to <laughs> refuse to uh -huh. go and live close to my kids and start over. Uh, and, and so I, I went for it, but the, the really cool part of that story is that the gentleman who owned the barbershop that gave me a job, uh, I knew him from Utah. He came into my barbershop almost seven years ago. He was 18 years old and he had moved from Michigan to Utah to apprentice under some guy to be a tattoo artist. <laughs> and I told him, he, he walked into my shop. I didn't know this guy. He walked in, he got a haircut and a shave. And while he was in my chair, we talked and he was sharing with me his story. And I told him mine about how I left uh, my, my law enforcement career. And I explained to him just what I'd explained to you about like what was so meaningful about being a barber and why I loved it so much. And he gets up out of the barber chair and he's like, well, I'm not supposed to be a tattoo artist. I'm supposed to be a barber. <laughs> and uh and and I, I we exchanged information and he left and uh he moved back to michigan and tried to get into barber school and i guess it didn't work out and we kind of lost contact with each other and a few years later i uh i hadn't heard from him in a long time uh i was at the barber school in salt lake city teaching just for fun. I would go up there occasionally and just do, do classes and lectures, uh, you know, uh, at, at the school that I had graduated from. And one of the random days that I was up there, he walks in the room and he's like, dude, I'm here to, I'm going to start barber school here. And I'm finally going to become a barber. He's like, I've tried for the last couple of years and life has just knocked me down and I haven't been able to work it out, but like, I'm back here and I'm going to do it. 
And so, you know, so like, oh my I, kinda, goodness. I gave him a little bit of equipment and, you know, like loaned him a little bit of money and said, like, I'm always here. You can come and hang out in my shop and I'll show you whatever you want to know. And like, but it was just so weird that he showed up on the day that I was there completely unplanned. Yes. yes. That's the way <laughs> those synchronicities are, they happen, you know, and you just could not have mapped it out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And so he. Uh, he ends up becoming a barber and he he works in a bunch of different shops in utah and then uh, he he travels all over the country and learns from these different barbers and he and he makes connections and ends up in tennessee 30 minutes from where my kids live you know See, and, that is and crazy it, yeah it's it's <laughs> like it, it's too and i've had so many experiences like that you know where it, it, it it's like if i ever i don't know why i ever doubt anymore that I'm not right where I'm supposed to be and doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I am yeah. with who I'm supposed to be with because like yeah. life always taking care of me and my head wants to spin and I want to doubt and I want to be afraid and I want to succumb to ego and I want to, you know, fight and resist and what if everything. And mm -hmm. I always want to be in the past or in the future and rarely am I in the present like I'm supposed to be, but life yeah. is always taking care of me. It's always doing its thing, whether I'm paying attention or not it's happening, you know, uh, yes. it's, it's wild. Yeah. And, and it's like, um, you know, in a sense you can't, well, in a very real sense, you can't map things out. It's going to be different. Everything's going to be different than you would plan it to be. However, I do see a, a thread running through your story and, and it, it is it is connected to the power you do have over your story, which is love. It's what you started your whole story tonight with, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it's what you showed to that young man, and which propelled him out onto his path. And love brought him to this place in this position where he was able to extend it back to you. And mm -hmm. so, you know, in this conversation that I had earlier today um, with a woman who struggles with chron uh, chronic illness, she was talking about the idea of currency and how it, currency is not just extending uh, financial gifts to people. And, you know, we have so many other forms of currency, but this is the primary, the primary one is love um, and everything else is under that umbrella. But it's it flows and it really does flow like electricity from one person to another person. And, and it makes the most amazing stories, you know, I just love that whole journey that you've been on. Uh, a question that I love to close uh, interviews on because it just makes me happy to hear people answer it is what do you love about being you? Mm. Oh, that's that's that, that that's a heavy one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard for us to answer that, but I think it's good for us to answer it. What what I love about being me is that at at forty three years old, uh, I am still constantly learning and changing, and uh, you know. I, I, I've never, at least not yet, and I hope I never do, I, I have not settled into my ways mm. 
quotation marks, you know, where I'm now an adult grown man that has had children and I've, you know, owned a business and, you know, worked in law enforcement and I know what I'm talking about and, you know, all that. I, I, I have not succumbed to that. I like, I'm so, that's one of the things that, that I do love about being me is that I'm still teachable, mm-hmm. still open. I'm still hopeful. I still have uh, a lot of childish tendencies to just be free and naked and dance mm-hmm. and just love. And I mean, like law enforcement damn near killed me in many different ways. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it, but it took, it, it took away from me temporarily the thing that was most precious. And that was like my naivety, like my desire to just love and trust and forgive and just be happy and laugh, you know, like hmm. it, it took those things away from me. You can't do that. And the dynamic that I like the work environment that I was in, that was not, you could die doing that. You know, if you let your guard down, you could die. And so um, it's taken me a while to get it back, but I'm so glad that I didn't allow myself to just be cut off from that forever. You know? So yeah, yeah like I, I love that I'm still teachable and learning and, while I'm still scared a lot of times about life and what's happening next, I'm also really excited for what's happening next. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. And, and, and like, and I, I feel like I can honestly say like the person that I am alone in my apartment is the same person that, you know, and Will and Latifa and Lucas and like my, my clients at the barber shop and my children, like I don't play a role. Like I'm just me. Yeah. All time. and I, and I really love that too. You know, there's lots of things I don't love about myself that I mm-hmm. that I change. You know, I um, we could make that list too, but that let's wasn't, not do that. Yeah, <laughs> we have no trouble making those lists for ourselves. That's why I think it's worth you know making the effort, and especially to say it out loud and hear ourselves say it. And all those things that you said about yourself, I fully agree with. And I love those things about you too. And I'm just so grateful you exist and so grateful that our paths have intersected and that you live here. And especially grateful that you were willing to jump on here and share your journey, because I know it's going to be so helpful to many people so much Chris it was a real honor I love you I love you too and I I want people to know that um, if they want to explore the Wim Hof method that they need to find you (laughs) how do you want them to find you what's Uh, the best way so on uh, if if you're if you're on Instagram uh, it's ice underscore life underscore Tennessee that is my Instagram page. And that's really how I do most of my, my business. Uh, if you also uh, are curious about the Wim Hof method itself and want another way to contact me, if you're not on Instagram, if you go to the Wim Hof method.com uh, website and you go to instructors in, in North America, you can find me on there as well. And I have an email. It's uh, it's, it's all one word, all lowercase ice, ice, ice life, Tennessee, uh, at gmail.com. You can, you can email me or you can contact me through the website. I haven't posted 
uh, a workshop yet on that website, but I post everything on, on Instagram. Thank you, Stephen. I really appreciate you so much. You are welcome. Thank you, Krista. You're very welcome. And you have a beautiful night. Thanks for talking with me. 